Did grace abolish Torah? Did Jesus add grace and subtract the Torah? One of the fundamental teachings of Torah, the instructions in the way of truth and life, is the prohibition of adding to or subtracting from Jehovah's instructions. Jehovah is the eternal name of our Creator. It literally translates, He is, He was, He shall be. See that you do everything I command you. Do not add to it or subtract from it. Deuteronomy 12, verse 32 and Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. This stipulation creates a crucial issue for those who believe grace abolished or nullified, replaced, or set us free from our Creator's living, perfect, and complete Torah. There is a church-age doctrine called dispensationalism. It divides biblical history into periods of time. The Torah is referred to as the Age of the Law, which is now old, because the new Age of Grace was dispensed with the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost. This belief conflicted with what I'd been studying in the Torah, so I began to compile the New Testament verses that seemed to support dispensationalism, and I discovered two things. First, I noticed that of the ten verses I studied, nine came from Paul's letters. Peter writes that parts of Paul's letters were hard to understand, and ignorant people had already distorted his words, just as they do to the rest of the scriptures. He writes this way in all his letters, speaking in them about such matters. Some parts of his letters are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the rest of the scriptures, to their own destruction. 2 Peter 3 verse 16 People have and will continue to distort scripture, but our Creator has given us a way to test everything we hear for truth. Does what we hear add to, or subtract from, or lead us away from Torah? Jesus, his Hebrew name Yehoshua, means Jehovah is salvation. He is the word Torah, John 1 verse 1. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is impossible for him to lie or change his mind. Secondly, I noticed some ambiguous translations. Here are some examples of the English definitions that do not match up to the original ancient Hebrew of the Torah. The word law is an inadequate translation for Torah, which is a difficult word to translate because it is so full of meaning, but it is described as Jehovah's teachings or instructions pointing us in the way of truth and life. Psalm 119, verse 160, and Proverbs 6, verse 23. Torah is also called perfect and complete, pure, blameless, flawless, purified seven times, everlasting, spiritual, light, wisdom, justice, and righteousness. The word grace has become known as unmerited favor, but the original Hebrew word chen, meaning favor, is merited. Jehovah's favor is given freely, and it is given to all who repent or turn from their unrighteousness, which is sin and death. The word faith also has a different meaning in Hebrew. The word emunah means faithfulness. Belief and action are not separate in Hebrew thought, 
Professing one's belief in God without faithfully doing what he says is called dead faith. James 2 verse 17. Aligning our idea of grace with our Creator's Word. A good start when searching for truth is recognizing our opinions and then setting them aside in order to objectively look for their origins. Not everyone has the desire or the time to research world religions, but I went that route. Over the course of decades, I found incredible similarities, but no greater truth claim than the Torah. The bottom line is, the Torah declares the end from the beginning. If it is the word of the one who spoke the universe into existence, why then would we as created human beings believe the contradictory words of another created being, from the serpent in the garden to the founders of new religions that add to, subtract from, or lead us away from our Creator's instructions? I declare the end from the beginning, and ancient times from what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and all my good pleasure I will accomplish. Isaiah 46.10 What is our Creator's purpose? To save mankind from the law, not the Torah, but the curse of sin and death, incurred by our debt of sin. This is the law he nailed to the tree so we can return to the blessing of life like it was in the beginning, so we might die to sin and live to do what's right. 1 Peter 2.24 Our Creator's purpose will stand, despite imperfect translations, misunderstood figurative examples, meanings of names, word rhymes, and concepts that don't carry over into other languages. The Torah continues to make a clear distinction between reality, or truth, light, and life, and deception, darkness, and death. Whether we know it or not, we are tested in this life to find out who loves Yah with all their heart and soul, Deuteronomy 13, 3, and Psalm 11, 5. Yah also tells us His commandments are not too difficult for us or beyond our reach. Deuteronomy 30:11 The true Messiah's words must match up to the Torah, and they do. He says, "My yoke is easy and my burden is light." There is a difficult and heavy yoke that no one can bear, and it is every added man-made law. Matthew 11:30:24:4 and Acts 15:10. Whoever adds to our creator's words is a liar. Proverbs 36. Examine the scriptures. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. The Bereans were more noble-minded than the Thessalonians because they examined the scriptures daily to see if Paul's message about the Messiah was true. Acts 17.11. What if Paul had told the Bereans the scriptures are now old? because the Messiah came to abolish the Torah and prophets. By his death, he made the commandments obsolete, so we don't have to keep them anymore. Now you just say you believe and you will be saved by grace. Anything more than that is trying to earn your salvation. Those who know the test of a false prophet would easily spot these conspicuous lies. Yet the Bereans believed Paul because his words about the Messiah 
matched up to the scriptures, the Torah, and the prophets. This is how we test a false prophet. See that you do everything I command you. Do not add to it or subtract from it. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or wonder to you, and if the sign or wonder he has spoken to you comes about, but he says, Let us follow other gods, which we have not known, and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer, for Yah, your God, is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 12:32 through 13, 3. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clearly defines the difference between the law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. For in Messiah, Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set you free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 2. Yaakob also refers to the Torah as the perfect law of liberty because it is freedom from the law of sin and death. James 1, 25. When Jesus said, Follow me, he was calling us to walk in Torah, the way of truth and life. As the word of Yah, the light of truth, the life-giving spirit continues to call us to turn from the darkness of death and walk, halak, in the prescribed way of life. Deuteronomy 5.33 and Luke 1.6 Now compare the Torah to the Catholic or universal religion. They say they have been given authority by God to add and subtract from his word. It is said to be founded on the words of Peter, their first pope. Nevertheless, we can trace these man-made doctrines that were made official at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. to the second-century Bishop of Rome, Sixtus. Grace is the free gift of spiritual life, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Messiah, Jesus our Lord. Romans six twenty three. Nothing has changed, we still turn from the way of sin, which is death, by keeping the commandments to enter life. If you want to enter life, Keep the commandments, Matthew nineteen seventeen and Revelation twenty two fourteen. As you can see, a man is justified by his deeds and not by faith alone, James two twenty four. The gift and wages are indisputably two different things, yet a gift does not cancel out the wages. The worker still receives the reward for the work they have done. Now the wages of the worker are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Romans 4, 4 The labor, or deeds, of the righteous leads to life, but the produce of the wrongdoers is sin. Proverbs 10, 1 The gift and the wages Some of us really get the gift, but not the wages, and vice versa, even though one does not exclude the other. Confusion is compounded by translator bias. We cannot know the truth without searching for it by studying and praying for spiritual wisdom. The casual reader, without questions, will miss the reward we all receive 
for our wages, whether we do wrong or right. The man who does wrong earns a false wage, but he who sows righteousness reaps a true reward. Proverbs 11:18. The New Testament continues to instruct us to repent or turn back, so our sin will be wiped away. Nothing has changed. We are still instructed to go and sin no more. John 8:11 and Acts 3:19. Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, to give to each one according to what he has done. Revelation 22:12. Understanding Bondage and Freedom 1. Romans 7:6 and Hebrews 8:13 speak about what bound us, the old or obsolete, aging way of the letter as opposed to the new or renewed way of the Spirit. From which covenant or law, nomos, have we been released? Keep in mind, every first century writer referred to the Torah and the prophets as the scriptures and the word of God. There was no concept of an Old Testament until 27 letters were officially canonized into the book we now call the New Testament. The Torah defines the physical curse of mankind's sin and death. In his letter to the Romans, Paul is sharing the good news of our release from the law, the curse that bound us. But now having died to what bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new or renewed way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the letter. Romans 7.6 would it be good news for those who love the Torah of Yah to think we've been released from the living and active Word of God? Hebrews 4.12 and Psalm 119.113 Anyone who knows Torah would never mistake it for the old way of the letter. It is the curse of our physical flesh that grows old, withers, and dies like the grass and the flower. The Word of Yah stands forever. Isaiah 40 verse 8 and 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. Paul's words are good news when they are understood in the context of the Torah and the prophets. In the beginning, Adam and Eve became physically bound by the curse of death, Genesis 2, 17. They were also given hope in the good news, the promise or covenant of the seed who will crush the serpent's head, releasing mankind from the curse of death. Genesis 3:15 Abraham was foretold the same good news when he was given the promise or covenant of the seed through his offspring all nations will be blessed how the messiah has crushed the head of the serpent and released mankind from the curse of death all nations will be blessed through you Genesis 3:15 Death is the law that is aging and will soon disappear, not our Creator's Torah. The renewed spiritual life-giving covenant came through the promised seed, the Messiah, anointed of Yah. He has made the first physical law obsolete. By speaking of a new covenant, He has made the first obsolete, and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Hebrews 8.13 when we know the Torah is spiritual, everlasting, and unfading, there is no mistaking it with the physical law of sin, 
that entraps, entangles, and enslaves us. We know the law is spiritual, but I am not spiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Romans 7, 14 The iniquities of a wicked man entrap him. The cords of his own sin entangle him. Proverbs 5, 22 Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is enslaved to sin. John 8, 34 Paul even made sure no one would misunderstand which law was nullified. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have been mindful of sin if not for the law, for I would not have been aware of coveting if the law had not said, Do not covet. Romans 7, 7. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Romans seven twelve. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Certainly not. Instead, we uphold the law. Romans 3.31 What is old and what is new? Number 2. 2 Corinthians 3.3 and 6 are two verses I've heard twisted to make grace appear new and the everlasting Torah old. We can see this inferred by the renaming of the Tanakh the Hebrew acronym Torah, Prophets, and Writings. This occurred when 27 first-century letters were officially canonized as the book we now call the New Testament. It is clear that you are a letter from Messiah, the result of our ministry, written not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 Paul is contrasting what is new and what is old by alluding to the prophecy of Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to carefully observe my ordinances. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. He then goes on to say, and he has qualified us as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3.6 What is old, fading, and physical? Is it the letter, the record of our sin, that kills, or the living, righteous, holy words of our Creator? When we know the Torah as the living word of the living God, it is obviously not the letter that kills. On the contrary, the commandments are now a spiritual letter, written not on tablets of stone, but on our hearts. 2 Corinthians 3, 3-9 For if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater the glory of that which endures. 2 Corinthians three eleven. New or Renewed Let's take a minute to study the original Hebrew verb chadash, meaning to renew, restore, or repair. The noun chodesh means month. In Hebrew, a month was originally declared by the visible sighting of a sliver of light on the right or bottom side of a dark moon. Within two weeks, the light is fully renewed on the face of the moon. Over the next two weeks, it begins to fade toward the left side into a varying 1.5 to 3.5 days of darkness. It is the opposite in the southern hemisphere. 
The moon is one of our Creator's signs in the sky that marks time. Genesis 1.14 It also shows us the meaning of Hadash. Is there a new moon every month, or is its light renewed every month? The Torah begins by recounting the six days of creation. For those with eyes to see, every detail reveals a spiritual reality. Like the light created on day one, we know this is not the light of the sun because it was created on day four. This is the light of life. It is said to hold all things together. The light is the Messiah, through whom all things were created. He is the life of mankind. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 1, 4. The Physical Patterns of Spiritual Reality Number 3. Colossians 2, 16, 17 and John 1, 17 make a distinction between the law given through Moses and their fulfillment that came through the Messiah. The Torah tells us that Moses was instructed to make physical patterns or copies of every detail he was shown on the mountain. Exodus 25:40 and Hebrews 8:5. So it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Hebrews 9:23. The physical copies reveal the heavenly or spiritual reality. The copies are referred to as the law that is only a shadow of the good things to come, not the realities themselves. The law is only a shadow of the good things to come, not the realities themselves. It can never, by the same sacrifices offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Hebrews 10.1 The physical patterns of Moses were a shadow of the spiritual body of Messiah. Sadly, these verses continue to be distorted and misunderstood to justify lawlessness or Torahlessness. Therefore let no one judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a feast or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come. The body that casts it belongs to Messiah. Colossians 2.16 and 17 In context, Paul is saying, Let no one judge you for doing these things. The Messiah is the reality of every physical detail that Moses copied of the heavenly. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, or reality, came to be through Jesus the Messiah. John 1.17 John is contrasting the law, the physical copies given through Moses, with our Creator's ultimate gift of grace and spiritual reality that was born through the Messiah. The word of truth is the Torah, and it delineates the favor or grace of Yah. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. The physical and the spiritual priesthood. Number 4, Hebrews 7, 12 explains the physical priesthood and the spiritual priesthood. The priesthood is one of the physical patterns Moses was instructed to copy. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed as well. Hebrews 7, 12. Which law must change, the Torah or the physical shadows of the spiritual priesthood? The physical patterns foreshadow the reality of our spiritual creator's ultimate gift of grace. 
the shadows reveal the Messiah, the anointed, eternal King and Priest of Yah. Who will save his people from their sins? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Matthew 1, 21 and John 1, 29. When Yehoshua, Yah's salvation, physically entered the world, died and resurrected, and then ascended to heaven, he became our spiritual high priest. He revealed what the physical patterns of Moses revealed about him. The change in priesthood was from the physical to the spiritual. The same change is true for the children of the flesh, who are not children of God. The children of the promise, or the covenant, are his spiritual offspring. So it is not the children of the flesh who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as offspring. Romans 9, 8 Our physical bodies will change to spiritual or heavenly bodies. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one degree, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is of another. 1 Corinthians 15, 40 What was abolished? Number 5, Ephesians 2, 15 explains what was abolished in the Messiah's physical flesh. Paul describes it as the law of injunctions in decrees. By abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments in decrees, he did this to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Ephesians 2.15 I encourage you to look up the original Greek phrase, nomon ton etolon en dogmasian. Notice entole is defined as injunction, order, command, or law. Of course, the translation law of commandments makes it sound like the commandments were abolished. Nevertheless, it was the law of injunctions in decrees that were abolished in his flesh. The Greek word dogma is translated as decrees or ordinances five times in the New Testament. Not once is it referring to the commandments. Luke 21, Acts 16.4, 17.7, Ephesians 2.15, and Colossians 2.14. Peter warns us not to be carried away by the error of the lawless or Torahless. Therefore, beloved, since you already know these things, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your steadfastness. 2 Peter 3.17 The Law and Grace Number 6, Romans 6.14 and Galatians 2.21 and 3.25 explain why sin shall not be our master. The Spirit is not under the law, the curse, but under grace, the blessing. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Romans 6.14 We no longer submit to sin, but how do we submit to grace? Two verses later, Paul goes on to repeat what the Torah says. It is our obedience that leads to righteousness. Do you not know that when you offer yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin leading to death or to obedience leading to righteousness? Romans 6, 16 until the day we die, we will struggle to master or rule over the law of sin and death. Establish my steps through your promise, 
Let no sin rule over me. Psalm 119.133 If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you refuse to do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. You are its object of desire, but you must master it. Genesis 4.7 The path of life has not changed. It always was, is, and will be righteousness. Doing what our Creator said is right. There is life in the path of righteousness, but another path leads to death. Proverbs 12.28 and Deuteronomy 30.15 Does that mean our righteousness gives us life? Paul answers this question in the context of scolding Peter for his hypocrisy. He witnessed Peter falling back into his religious mindset, and if Peter could, anyone can. We have to differentiate between what we do and what our Creator did through the Messiah. I do not set aside the grace of our God, for if righteousness comes through the law, the Messiah died for nothing. Galatians 2.21 We walk in the path of life, but the Messiah is the life-giver. There is no such thing as self-justification. We do not earn eternal life. The scriptures do not impart life. They are the very words that testify about the only one who gives life. You pour over the scriptures because you presume that by them you possess eternal life. These are the very words that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. John 5:39 and 40. Paul continues to make a distinction between the physical patterns and their spiritual fulfillment. Is the law, then, opposed to the promises of God? Certainly not, for if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come from the law. Galatians 3.21 Then he says, now that faith has come, wait, didn't Abraham have faith? He believed God and obeyed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15.6 now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Galatians 3.25 Faith, aman, is the Hebrew root of truth, emet, and I've noticed they are used interchangeably in translation. What has come so we are no longer under the guardian? The truth or reality of the physical copies of Moses has come. They kept Israel in line, like a guardian, until their fulfillment came through the Messiah. Our Creator Spirit is the reality or truth that has made us all one in the renewed spiritual life of the Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in the Messiah. Galatians 3.28 Our righteousness is not to be confused with His righteousness. Therefore, Son of Man, say to your people, the righteousness of the righteous man will not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Neither will the wickedness of the wicked man cause him to stumble on the day he turns from his wickedness. Nor will the righteous man be able to survive by his righteousness on the day he sins. Ezekiel 33.12 Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is truth. Psalm 119.142 like Adam and Abraham, we also die with the same hope of renewed life, because we know death is the last enemy to be destroyed, 
Isaiah 25, 8, 1 Corinthians 15, 26, and Revelation 21, 4. From beginning to end, our Creator's Word reveals the good news of mankind's spiritual salvation from physical sin and death. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, the curse, to redeem those under the law, the curse, that we might receive our adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. The curse is death, the blessing is life. As we study Paul's letters, keep in mind who he is, who he is addressing, and why. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews, from the tribe of Benjamin. His Hebrew name is Shaul. He is a Jew educated at the feet of the first century Gamaliel. As a Pharisee, he is faultless in doing right. Acts 5, 34, 22, 3, and Philippians 3, 5, 6. As a religious expert, Paul would have had the Torah memorized, at least, because the oral law, the legal interpretations that were not recorded in the five books of Moses, was also passed down by mouth from generation to generation. This map shows us where Paul journeyed to share the good news of the Messiah. His letters are usually addressed to the ecclesia, the congregation, or assembly, and date between 48 to 60 A.D., this time period is prior to the origin of the Roman Catholic or universal religion and their concept of a church building. The place where people gather, or synagogue, is where Moses was and still is proclaimed every Sabbath. For Moses has been proclaimed in every city from ancient times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Acts 15.21 Paul shared the good news of the Messiah to the nations. His letter is addressed to the gathering in Galatia, where the nations had joined to hear the scriptures because they believed in the one who was raised from the dead. They would have understood the good news as foretold to Abraham, through whom the seed came who will bless all nations, Genesis 3.15 and 12.3. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the nations by faith and foretold the good news to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, Galatians 3.8. To justify the nations by faith is to give them life by faith in his power and not their own. In context, Paul is admonishing the Galatians for turning away to a different message, contrary to the spiritual good news. I challenge you to read all six chapters in one sitting, unbiased to the meaning of the word law. What is the law of the curse? Number seven. Paul addresses two issues that he calls traditions devised by or according to man. Issue number one has to do with Judaism, and he begins with the traditions of his fathers, which is returning to the works of the law that are under a curse. For as many are from the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Galatians 3.10 Paul is quoting the Torah so we can check the original Hebrew and see which law is under the curse. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law, Torah, by doing them, and let all the people say, Amen. Deuteronomy 27:26. The cursed are those who do not do the words of this Torah. The law of the curse is anything added that subtracts the light of love, as defined by the Hebrew word hesed unfailing, merciful, loving-kindness, 
Psalm 136.7, and 1 John 2.10. The Messiah called out the Jewish religious leaders as hypocrites who looked righteous on the outside, but in their hearts they wanted to murder him. A person who does not have love in their heart has no spiritual life inside. Matthew 23.27. By this the children of God are distinguished from the children of the adversary. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. 1 John 3.10 Issue number two was legalism. If we think keeping the law, Torah, gives us life, then the Messiah died for nothing. Galatians 2.21 The blessing of life is only given to those who faithfully obey the commandments of Yah. A blessing if you obey the commandments of Yah, your God, that I am giving you today. Deuteronomy 11.27 The commandments define righteousness, yet they can be kept without love. We do not keep all the instructions, like the physical patterns of the Levitical priesthood that revealed the spiritual mystery of the Messiah as mankind's ultimate high priest. Psalm 110, verse 1, Hebrews 1, 3, Mark 16, 19, and Colossians 3, 1. The physical patterns did not nullify the spiritual promise that was established through Abraham 430 years earlier. What I mean is this, the law that came 430 years later does not revoke the covenant previously established by God as to nullify the promise, Galatians 3.17. Abraham was promised innumerable seed, plural, for a reason. Through him came the seed, singular, who will bless all nations, Galatians 15.5. Why then was Moses instructed to make physical patterns of everything he was shown on the mountain 430 years after the spiritual covenant, Genesis 13.15 and Galatians 3.16? We are told it was because of transgression, i.e. the golden calf incidents, Exodus 25.40 and Acts 7.44. When the word law refers to the physical, we understand what the copies revealed and how they acted as a guardian until the arrival of the promised Messiah. The spiritual realities are better sacrifices. Hebrew 9.23 So the law has become our guardian to lead us to the Messiah that we might be justified by faith. Galatians 3.24 We, like Abraham, are also justified by faith, not just by saying we believe, but by obeying his voice, which is one and the same as his living, active, spiritual word. Genesis 15.6, Romans 4.18, 7.14, and Hebrews 4.12. Reality doesn't change. We are all born into the covenant or law of death. We also die with the same hope in the promise of the woman's seed who will crush the serpent's head. In other words, the seed who will save mankind from the curse, not the Torah. Genesis 3.15 and Romans 16.20 For as in Adam all die, so in Messiah all will be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15.22 Death and life are 100% the work of our Creator, and His ways are perfect. Psalm 18.30 He knows more than we do about our flesh and its desire to do what is wrong. John 3.19 he also knows exactly how to turn us back to the light of life, which is doing right. 1 Corinthians 13.4 If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? the man asked. Jesus answered, 
Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Matthew 19, 17, and 18. Our Jewish Messiah knew the test of a false prophet. And when we know the Torah, we also know we are tested to see who loves Yah with all their heart and soul. He did not break the least of the commandments or teach others to do the same. Deuteronomy 12:32 through 13:3. Whoever breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5:19. Which law was blotted out on the cross? One of the biggest errors I've heard is that God did away with the law, and they think the law is the Torah. These are the words the Messiah made sure nobody would even think. Matthew 5:17. We need to search for ourselves to see exactly what needs to be blotted out, taken away, cleansed, removed, and nailed to the cross. In Paul's letter addressed to the holy or set-apart and faithful brethren in Messiah, he refers to the debt ascribed to us in the decrees. This phrase has somehow been twisted into meaning the Torah, having blotted out the debt ascribed to us in the decrees that stood against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Colossians 2.14 The original Greek says, Kirographon, the debt, written, and the word dogma is the decrees. What was blotted out is the record of our debt, which is sin. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Matthew 6.12 Our debt, trespass, transgression, offense, wrongdoing, and unrighteousness, is sin, and that is what we forgive and from what we are forgiven. Maybe we need to review the meaning of sin because our Creator's righteousness is an everlasting justice, and His Torah is truth. Your righteousness is an everlasting justice. Your Torah is truth. Psalm 119.142 What is sin? Everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness as well. Indeed, sin is lawlessness. 1 John 3, 4 Lawlessness is Torahlessness. The Torah is the light pointing in the way of life, which is righteousness. Unrighteousness is what is cleansed by the blood of the Messiah, and only when we turn and walk in the light. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. For this commandment is a lamp, this Torah is a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way to life. Proverbs 6.23 and Psalm 97.11 There is life in the path of righteousness, but another path leads to death. Proverbs 12.28 If we confess our sins, He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 5.17 and 1 John 1.9 have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing, merciful, loving kindness, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Psalm 51, 1. Repent, then, and turn back, so that your sins may be blotted out. Acts 3, 19. Sin is the only thing that needs to be blotted out, and it is for the purpose of turning us back, to walk in the light of the Messiah's life, which is the path of righteousness as defined by the living words of our Creator's Torah, Deuteronomy 32:46 and Proverbs 12:28, The Messiah bore our sin, 
not the Torah, in his body on the tree, we receive the gift of his mercy for one reason only. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his stripes you are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53.5 There is no such thing as self-justification. Number 8. We are dead in our sin and powerless to justify ourselves with life. Self-justification was a problem in the first century because religious experts presumed they had the power to possess eternal life through the scriptures. You pour over the scriptures because you presume that by them you possess eternal life. They are the very words that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. John 5:39 and 40. The Messiah had to tell them the scriptures are the words that testify about me because they believed they could justify themselves with life. Therefore no one will be justified in his sight by works of the law, for the law merely brings awareness of sin. Romans 3:20 and 21. The law, Torah, brings awareness of sin. Does that mean we don't have to keep the Torah anymore? Again, he is quoting King David, so we can check the original Hebrew. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for no man living is justified in your sight. Psalm 143, 2. King David kept the Torah, and he is saying, No one is justified in the sight of Yah. Romans 3.23, Genesis 8.21, and Ecclesiastes 7.20. The prophet Isaiah also knew that human righteousness could never justify anyone to life. Our righteousness is likened to filthy rags, Isaiah 64.5 and 6. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses, Acts 13.39. Paul maintains what has always been true. Mankind is justified by faith in Yah, not by his own efforts. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith without works of the law. Romans 3.28 Now to make sure no one misunderstands, as the masses already have, he continues to explain that faith does not nullify the Torah. It upholds the Torah. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Certainly not. Instead, we uphold the law. Romans 3.31 Now we know why Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, did not attain life. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, did not attain it. Romans 9.31 Faith means we overcome. Only then will we be granted the right to eat from the tree of life. How do we overcome the world? By keeping his commandments. 1 John 5, 3, and 4. To the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Revelation 2, 7. The Messiah is the only righteous one, having the power to do what we are powerless to do, and that is to justify ourselves to spiritual life after death. If Abraham was indeed justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Romans 4.23 This verse is another good example of Paul referring to the Torah. Abram believed Yah, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis 15.6 
By faithfulness, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, without knowing where he was going. Hebrews 11, 8, and Genesis 22, 18. Just as Abraham believed and obeyed, those who believe Yah raised the Messiah from the dead will be credited with righteousness. Now the words it was credited to him were written not only for Abraham but also for us, to whom righteousness will be credited, for us who believe in him who raised the Messiah, our Lord, from the dead. Romans 4, 23 and 24. Doing right is called righteousness. I was surprised the Persian king Cyrus was called righteous because he did what was right. Believing enough to obey what Yah instructs us to do is not too difficult or beyond our reach. Isaiah 45.13 and Deuteronomy 30.11 Righteousness is, was, and will always be the way of truth and life. It is also the description of the Messiah, Yehoshua, Yah's salvation. His full Hebrew name reveals Yah as the one who will deliver mankind from death and justify us to life, 1 John 2, 1, and Deuteronomy 32, 47. He was delivered over to death for our trespasses and was raised to life for our justification, Romans 4, 25. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, as an offering for sin. He thus condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 8, 3. Paul goes on to clarify the difference between what we do and what Yah does. His Torah is not to be confused with the law the ignorant sought to establish on their own. Romans 10, 3, 4, and 5. And it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law, however, is not based on faith, for if a man who does these things will live by them. Galatians 3, 11, and 12. Again, Paul is quoting the Torah so we can check the original Hebrew. Keep my statutes and my judgments, for the man who does these things will live by them. I am Yah. Leviticus 18.5 Doing these things means we will live by them. It does not mean we can justify ourselves to spiritual life by doing them. Why did the Messiah become a curse? Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Galatians 3.13 The Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law of sin and death, not the Torah. Those of us who see the Messiah as the Word of God, who became flesh, also see our Creator having the ability to become a man under the curse, to die in order to redeem mankind through his resurrected life. Because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. Deuteronomy 21:23. The Messiah died on a tree, or wood, with all our iniquity or guilt laid upon him. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. And Yah has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53:6. Still the arrogant remain under the curse, because they have not turned back to the commandments of Yah. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Psalm 119.21 Look at the proud one. His soul is not upright. 
but the righteous will live by faithfulness. Habakkuk 2.4 For the good news reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith from start to finish. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faithfulness. Romans 1.17 Ezekiel 18.9 This is the good news from start to finish. We turn back to the way of life because we have faith in the Messiah who has been revealed in all of the scriptures beginning with Moses. Luke 24.27 We can trust the perfecting work of our spiritual creator when we know he is gracious, righteous, and full of compassionate mercy. Our God is full of compassionate mercy. Psalm 116.5 and Proverbs 8.23 Is your faith living? In this example, Yaakov or James explains the difference between dead and living faith. If you see someone in need of clothing and food and all you do is say, stay warm and well fed, then your faith is dead. James 2.16 and Ezekiel 18.15 So too, faith by itself without any action is dead. James 2.17 As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without action is dead. James 2.26 Faith is not what we say, but what we do. If we say we believe and do nothing, our faith is dead. Are we free from the Torah or from the world? Number 9. Galatians chapter 4 brings us back to the question of who is enslaved by the flesh and who is free in the spirit. Paul begins with the example of adoption. The children who are enslaved are those who did not formerly know God. So also, when we were children, we were enslaved under the basic principles of the world. Galatians 4, 3. To redeem those under the law, that we might receive our adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 5. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves of those who by nature are not gods. Galatians 4, 8. Before knowing God, the Galatians are likened to the children who were enslaved by those who were not gods observing the basic principles of the world and its special days, months, seasons, and years. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. Galatians 4.10 Receiving adoption as children who are redeemed from the curse of death, we are now born of the Spirit and children of the free woman. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not understand what the law says? Galatians 4.21 for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman, Galatians 4.22. In his letter to the Romans, he also addresses the man-made rules about special days to fast and only eat vegetables. For one person has faith to eat all things, while another who is weak eats only vegetables, Romans 14.2. One person regards a certain day above the others, while someone else considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Romans 14.5 These are man's opinions about diet and fasting, and he is admonishing us not to argue. In context, a certain day, month, season, and year is not to be confused with our Creator's holy days. Now let's back up to another huge misunderstanding. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Romans 4, 15. 
Does this mean get rid of the Torah and there's no more sin? Paul is addressing the Jews now. They thought the Torah produced righteousness, but it produces wrath because it makes us aware of our physical sin. Back to the analogy of the son of the slave woman, Hagar, and the physical promise. Yah blessed Ishmael with a physical promise. He would be fruitful and multiply, and he would be the father of twelve rulers and become a great nation. Genesis 17.20 Both sons received physical promises, but the spiritual promise was given to the son of the free woman, Sarah. The spiritual promise is unique, with a very set-apart lineage that would come specifically through Sarah's son, Isaac. Genesis 17.19 Now you, brothers like Isaac, are children of the spiritual promise. Galatians 4.28 the heavy yoke and the light yoke. Number 10. What is the heavy yoke of slavery? Now then, why do you test God by placing on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? Acts 15.10. It is for freedom that Messiah has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be encumbered once more by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. They tie up heavy, burdensome loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Matthew 23, 4 The Torah is truth. It is called the perfect law of freedom. James 1, 25 and John 8, 32 Man is the one who ties up heavy burdens, not Yah. Yahushua said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yah said, My commandments are not too difficult or beyond your reach, Deuteronomy 30, 11, and Matthew eleven thirty. Even lifelong opinions can be humbled when we ask for our eyes to be open to the wonders of our Creator's Torah. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your Torah, Psalm one nineteen eighteen. The Torah reveals the good news that will bless all families and all nations. The blessing is renewed life, and it includes our inheritance on the renewed earth. It also assures us the curse of death is temporary. Mankind's separation from Yah, the life-giving spirit, is a finite time of testing. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, so that you and your descendants may live. Deuteronomy 30:19 Our ancestors have inherited lies and we have exchanged the truth of Yah for a lie. We've been led by blind guides and hypocrites. It is time to turn and seek the Spirit directly through prayer and searching his everlasting Torah in order to know him. Jeremiah 16:19, Romans 1:25 and Proverbs 2:5. In conclusion, grace, meaning favor, did not abolish the Torah. Grace and truth are the light of Torah. The physical examples found in our Creator's Torah reveal mankind's spiritual salvation from death. Those who walk in the way of truth and life are known by their actions. Even a child is known by his actions, whether his conduct is pure and upright. Proverbs 20, verse 11. How do we know if we've entered spiritual life? 
If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Matthew 19, verse 17. Jehovah's commandments define life. They reveal the actions, or fruits, of the pure and upright. When he inscribed them on stone, it symbolized the hardness of mankind's heart. Spiritual life is inscribed on spiritual hearts and minds. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, declares Jehovah. I will put my laws in their hearts and inscribe them on their minds. Hebrews 10, verse 16, and Jeremiah 31, verse 33. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who is Yehoshua, meaning he is, he was, he shall be, salvation, Messiah, your anointed one, whom you have sent, John 17, verse 3. By this we can be sure that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments, 1 John 2, verse 3. If anyone says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John 2, verse 4. No one who remains in him keeps on sinning. Sin is turning from the commandments. No one who continues to sin has seen him or known him. 1 John 3, verse 6. Those who know their Creator keep his commandments. Those who do not walk in the way of life will be told, Depart from me, I never knew you. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, which is Torahlessness. Matthew 7, verse 23. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 23. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. John 15, verse 10, and verse 20. What is love? And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the very commandment you have heard from the beginning, that you must walk in love. 2 John 1, verse 6. But if anyone keeps his word, the love of God has been truly perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. 1 John 2, verse 5, 6, and 7. And we will receive from him whatever we ask, because we keep his commandments and do what is pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3, verse 22. Whoever keeps his commandments remains in God and God in him. And by this we know that he remains in us by the spirit he has given us. 1 John 3, verse 24. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. 1 John 5, verse 2. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John 5, verse 3. And the dragon was enraged at the woman and went to make war with the rest of her children, who keep the commandments of God, holding to the testimony of Jesus. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Revelation 12, verse 17, and Revelation 22, verse 14. There is perfect freedom in doing what the Torah says. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, the Torah, and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer but doing what it says, 
This man shall be blessed in all he does. James 1 verse 25 The essence of the Torah is to love one another. In everything, then, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the essence of the Torah and the prophets. Matthew 7 verse 12 If you really keep the royal law, as stated in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. James 2 verse 8 and verse 12 Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom. Matthew 5 verse 19 Thank you for listening.